The Law Podcasting Podcast is brought to you by Power Podcasting for Lawyers, the only how-to podcasting course designed specifically for attorneys, where you can learn the ins and outs of creating and producing your own law podcast so you can grow your practice by building authority, affinity, and trust with prospective clients and referral sources. With short, easy-to-digest video and audio lessons and a community of like-minded lawyer podcasters, Power Podcasting for Lawyers is the best way to get your show off the ground smoothly and quickly. Learn more about Power Podcasting for Lawyers at lawpodcasting.com. This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, all right, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I am your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers are using the power of podcasting in and outside of their businesses. My guest today is Tom Fox, a Houston, Texas area lawyer and a consultant who serves the business community with anti-bribery compliance and international transaction issues. Previously, he was a general counsel at Drilling Controls, a worldwide oil field manufacturing and service company, and he's also served as counsel with Halliburton Energy. Tom is the author of the FCPA Compliance and Ethics blog, the international best-selling book Lessons Learned on Compliance and Ethics, and Best Practices under the FCPA and Bribery Act, which came out this last April. He writes and lectures all over the world on anti-corruption and anti-bribery compliance programs. And his podcast is called FCPA Compliance and Ethics Report. Thomas Fox, thank you so much for being with us. You know, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. You're the first person that's ever had me on their podcast. <laughs> well, this is a show where I interview other lawyers who podcast, so it's it's fitting and suited. <laughs> so thanks for joining. What was it that first got you interested in podcasting? Uh, about 2000 and late 2010, early 2011, a colleague in my practice area um, contacted me and asked me if uh, his name was Howard Sklar and asked me, Mm-hmm. I would uh, join him as a co-host uh, for a podcast he was developing called This Week in FCPA, okay. where we reviewed the weekly events in our practice area, the Foreign Club Practices Act. And I started uh, podcasting through Howard. Okay, very cool. Now, how did you get started with the with that? Are, we, are you a techie kind of a guy? Did you do this stuff yourself? Did you have help getting set up? Talk to me. You know, I'm a techno idiot. <laughs> um, I can uh, occasionally pick up the right end of the screwdriver. Mm. My technological skills uh, generally involve, I, I can type, so I can uh, type a blog and put it into WordPress. And that's about the extent of what I can do. Uh, that's how simple WordPress is. That's mm-hmm. the, the platform I use for my podcast. We lost power to the corporate world. So about three years ago, I founded my own podcast. I, I, it's the second time you've said that to me, and I'm amused. <laughs> you make it sound like you passed away. <laughs> <laughs> We lost him to the corporate world. Anyway, we hi, did. Howard, we if you're listening. <laughs> um, so so how did you go about getting the recording set up? Well, you, you told me a little bit about how you do things. Your show – let's talk about your show first of all. It's called uh, uh, FCPA Compliance and Ethics Report. Talk about the format and, and what the sort of purpose and intention of the show is. Sure. Um, I wanted to do, actually, I just woke up one morning and said, I'm going to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I went on WordPress, signed up for it, picked a name, and it was that simple. Okay. Uh, I would 
I have a Mac, so I first uh, started out doing phone recordings and uploading them mm-hmm. to my computer and then putting them in iTunes. I became much more sophisticated, learning that you can actually record on a Mac directly. Mm-hmm. And this wonderful program called GarageBand. Yeah. That I have really two types of shows. The first one is uh, just Tom pontificating on some issue related to my practice area, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Mm-hmm. Um, very stream of consciousness, uh, because that's the kinds of podcasts I like to listen to, somebody mattering away. Mm-hmm. But I also do lots of interviews, and I really come around to it. I enjoy the interviews because I learn a lot. So for my interviews, uh, it's generally via phone recording, because I can at least get a consistent sound quality. I tried to do Skype, but I couldn't get a consistent sound quality, so mm-hmm. I just record them. Uh, put them, uh, email them to myself on the computer. I use a program called Capacall. You can put them in Dropbox. You can put them, uh, um, send them via message, and then I upload them to iTunes and upload them there directly into. Um, I put them in iMovie, or I put on titles and sound effects and all of those things. Um, and then I upload it to WordPress. Okay. So your show is basically an audio show, but I, I noticed as I was listening and, and prepping for today uh, that you do distribute it as video um, with, as you said, sort of titles and, and uh, that kind of information included. What motivated right. that decision? I can't tell you I've had any motivation in any of this other than the fact that I said one morning I want a podcast. Okay. <laughs> Do you tend to watch audio uh, to watch video podcasts more than listening to just audio? Or no, um, I, uh, I should say I started out doing uh, Howard and I did a video podcast. I see. Okay, so that's how I started, and I recorded Skype, mm-hmm. but just the, the quality was, um, and I couldn't monitor the sound, so right. it would sound fine to me, and it was terrible on the recording. Mm. Um, so I've just kept that format, and if that turns into an audio file, I think it's MP4 pl- uh, files. Yeah. But like I said, as a technical idiot, I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right. So um, <clears throat> what are some of the hurdles that you had to overcome to get going? Uh, you know, well, yeah, what kind of hurdles? Uh, there are no hurdles for starting a podcast other than getting on WordPress and signing up. If you have no money, WordPress has a free site for you. Yeah. If you've got 99 bucks a year, you can do it on their premium site. I have zero hurdles. Okay, so you heard it here, folks. If a, techn- a self-proclaimed techno idiot can do it, you can too. <laughs> so talk about how it relates to your practice. And, and so the content of the show is, as you said, you pontificating or sometimes bringing on experts to interview about the FCPA, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Um, it, how has it been a benefit to your practice? Have you seen that? Are you able to point to things? Well, um, I started – I came to this area in a circuitous route, and I started this practice around social media because I was mm-hmm. recovering from a s- severe Hummer bicycle event where oh, I was man. the bicycle, mm. and uh, I couldn't do anything. Um, I hadn't practiced law for a while, so I had no clients. Mm-hmm. The only thing I had on my hands was time. So I started blogging, tweeting, linkedin and starting learning about social media, and this is 2010, at which point I, at that point I knew nothing about social media. Mm-hmm. And so I started blogging, and uh, Howard asked me to, to come on board on the podcast, and the podcast was really a, just a natural extension of, of my blogging. 
because I could explore a topic, subject, or person uh, for a longer period of time through the interview process. I see. Okay. So um, are you seeing that you are getting clients from uh, a free consulting practice, I guess, from from the fact that you have this podcast? Do people mention it when they uh, come in the door? Uh, I get asked the question uh, more along the lines, how does social media uh, impact or improve your business? And I can only answer it in this way. Uh, people will either read me, hear a podcast, hear me speak, um, hear me uh, somewhere, mm-hmm. and then they will check me out in some other way or, or read me on Twitter. It's actually Twitter that put me on the map. Uh-huh. And they will find about something about me, and then they'll check out the uh, all of the other social media offerings I have. So it's a combination of all of them. Mm-hmm. I cannot point you to one thing. Okay. Um, that brings people, uh, brings me business. So the podcast is one component of a larger media um, content strategy. And I have the largest social media empire <laughs> in the SDPA compliance world. There is no person that does everything that I do. Uh, people are doing blogging. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no other podcasts. Leona, who you met at Podcast Media 2015, yes. she is uh founding her own podcast, so she'll be the second one. Mm-hmm. But I've made a conscious decision to try to communicate and evangelize about compliance as broadly as I can through social media. For me, it's about the content. And who are the clients that, that you intend to serve with this content strategy? It is uh, most generally in-house compliance practitioners, although uh, uh, lawyers in private practice, mm-hmm. any company that does business overseas, uh, the FCPA applies to. Right. So it prevents uh, U.S. companies from engaging in bribe and corruption outside of the United States. So if you're doing business overseas, the STPA applies to you. So I have a pretty big uh, following from in-house compliance types. Okay. So talk about the workflow. Tell me a little bit about how you prep for your show. You, you mentioned that you sometimes are just doing stream of consciousness in your in your uh, pontifications. But when you have an interview, do you do a lot of prep? What's the process like? What do you do as far as the recording and is there post-production involved? You know, I hate to reveal the secret sauce because I don't do anything <laughs> or much of anything. I will contact somebody, ask to, um, if they could come on the podcast. If they really press me, I'll send them four or five general questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tell people this is really a virtual cup of coffee with Tom where you tell me about your subject matter expertise, an issue that's on your mind, how you're doing one particular thing, or just about the uh, the product or service that you offer in the compliance space uh, and educate me and educate my audience. Um, so I really don't put much of any time into it. Okay. All right. Um, so the big objection that many, many uh, lawyers, especially who are my audience, uh, who are thinking about doing a podcast is that it takes an ungodly amount of time. How much time do you think it actually is per episode? Your, your shows are what, about 30 minutes an episode? 20 or 30 minutes. I would say, uh, zero to five minutes prep time, 20 to 30 minutes to record, and probably 15 minutes to uh, put the titles on, put the music okay. on. I have my daughter write me some soundtrack music nice. um, and put it all in iMovie and upload it into uh, WordPress. So an hour, an episode. Although I will say I have studied how to do podcasts uh, quite a bit after I have sure. done uh, this and you know, they talk about doing a lot more preparation, and I'm getting ready to found my second podcast. I'm going to try to do this 
much more professionally. So I'm really putting a lot of time into it. I'm researching the topics. I'm going to do a podcast on business leadership. Mm-hmm. I've got a co-host and uh, try to do it where it looks and sounds a lot more professional than the FCPA compliance and ethics report. Okay. Okay. So what is it about podcasting that you think makes it such an effective tool? Well, as you can probably tell, I like to talk. And uh, Lord, 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 I didn't really realize that being a class clown in high school would lend itself to uh, speaking and uh, talking uh, and things like that, and I now do professionally. But I'd always written a lot as a lawyer. I'm a recovering trial lawyer before I went in-house. I'd always given a lot of speeches. So it's really just a natural extension of, of that uh, sort of 20th century practice. And I really embraced the um, social media tools that are available to us all now. Mm-hmm. And I can't emphasize enough that these are available to every lawyer. Yeah. I mean, look at it, your website. It looks like you're a solo lawyer. I can't tell, but even yeah. it doesn't matter because you obviously have a nationwide presence and maybe even a worldwide presence mm-hmm. because of what you have done as well through social media. And as a final thing, uh, my daughter was 12 when I founded my podcast, and it is incredibly important when you have a teenage daughter that she be able to say, you know, my dad, he's got his own podcast on iTunes to all of her friends. It's the only time in my life I've been cool in my daughter's eyes. <laughs> my kids are a little younger, and they think I'm a weirdo because I have all this gear and, <laughs> and do this stuff, but uh, I'm with you there. That's fun. So... um. Do you have a favorite moment from your podcasting experiences so far? Hmm. I don't probably uh, have a, a favorite moment. It's it's the entire experience. Uh-huh. It's getting to meet people like yourself. It's getting to, to meet people that uh, I interviewed. Most of my original interviews were people I knew quite well, and I could call them up and say, hey, I've got this podcast. Would you come on and talk about X? But now I get contacted by PR agents from across the globe, mm-hmm saying, you know, I have this client that would like to come on your podcast. And I love it. And I just get to meet people. And I get get to learn things. And I get to put out information in a way that is not being done in my little uh, niche practice. Okay. Have you encountered the the nightmare moment yet? You know, you you sent me, you were kind enough to send me some questions, and that was on there. And at first I thought, does he really mean nightmare, like a nightmare nightmare? Or... (laughs) Is it focused on nightmare and podcasts? Because I've had no bad moments in podcasting other than the absolute crap sound I got through Skype. <laughs> well, you'll call me when something worse happens then. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I said when, not if. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so if you were talking to a young, uh, young lawyer, young person going into the consulting field, would you recommend podcasting as a tool for their marketing strategy? The only word I would take out of the sentence you gave is young. Okay. I would recommend it to any lawyer. I'm 58 years old, and I have, like I said, the biggest social media presence in this space. You are only limited as a lawyer by your imagination. And the tools that are available to you now, because of the way I got into this practice through a long convalescence after severe injury, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't leave the house. So the only time I left the house was to go into phys- physical therapy. I developed a worldwide virtual practice simply because I couldn't get out of the house except on a walker. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I have clients all over the world now. I don't think twice about it. And uh, I'm a solo lawyer doing this, something I love. So there's absolutely no reason for any lawyer not to embrace this 
you can create a presence and name for yourself that certainly 15 years ago you could, and maybe not even 10 years ago. Yeah. So a few minutes ago you mentioned that you've been studying the art and science and technology of podcasting a bit. And I, tell me a little bit, what, what resources have you been looking to? Sure. I went to the social media examiner conference in March mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I really studied the business side of social media. How do you monetize it? How do you use mm-hmm. it in a way other than indirect businesses? I've signed up for the Rainmaker platform and they have a series of videos. Social media examiner has a series mm-hmm. of videos mm-hmm. and I've just tried to, to take in and buy as many books on blogging and, and podcasting and try to learn some of the things that I may have been doing intuitively, but people have put down as steps. Mm-hmm. If you even, uh, I just took a course 31 days to a better blog and that had a lot of concepts that I've taken over to the podcast. So like I said, you're only limited by your imagination. The concepts that you use in any social media tool can be focused and used in a blog, excuse me, a podcast going forward. Okay, very cool. So, so talk about let's talk about social media. We, you know, we've we've gone pretty fast through <laughs> through the interview. I mean, I, you've you've mentioned your other social media a little bit. So, so paint a broader picture of that for us a little bit. What else do you do um, to get the word out? Sure, I blog every day at the FCPA Compliance and Ethics blog. Okay. I uh, speak uh, quite a bit uh, nationally, internationally, probably two to four times a, a month. I do two to four webcasts, um, uh, webinars a month. I release uh, probably eight, six to eight ebooks a year, and one. I try to do one large print book a year. So I try to to put as much content out there, mm-hmm. simply because most lawyers in my practice are, if they're in private practice, they're generally. Um, ex-government lawyers, Department of Justice, or SEC lawyers. The FCPA bar tends to be in Washington and New York. Mm -hmm. They represent uh, a lot of cross-representation, so they can't really get into the specifics of a lot of cases Mm -hmm. because they either have worked on that case or working on a similar case, or they want to get business going forward. So I get contacted a lot by reporters and others looking for commentary because I don't have those clients. I don't do investigations. I help companies put policies and procedures in place. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not really competing with them, uh, and I'm not afraid to give my opinion to the Wall Street Journal or Financial Times or whoever else might call me because I can care less if somebody reads and gets pissed off. Okay. (laughs) Very interesting. Well, this has really been an interesting conversation. I I know I've learned a a great deal about you and and what you're doing. I'm sure the listeners have found it useful too. So I'm very grateful. I'll say thank you for joining me. Please tell the listeners how they can find you and your blog and and your stuff uh, if they have any questions or interest. Sure. Uh, My website is Advanced Compliance Solutions. That's my consulting company. My podcast is the FCPA Compliance and Ethics Report. My blog is the FCPA Compliance and Ethics blog. You can email me at tfox, that's T-F-O-X, at tfoxlaw.com. And if you want to do an old-fashioned phone call, you can call me at 832-744-0264. All right, and thank you also to the listeners. Please do take a moment to send us your comments and suggestions. Uh, comments on the website at lawpodcaster.com. 
Um, and a review in the iTunes Music Store would be very, very welcome. It helps us to uh, rise in the rankings and, and catch the attention of other interested folks. And with that, I'm going to say uh, thank you. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you're interested in podcasting for your show, your podcast, uh, excuse me, for your practice, the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course is now open and available. You can visit that at lawpodcasting.com and sign up and we'll send you information. Until next time, keep on podcasting. Thank you.